Well, this is disturbing. Australia's health authorities assigned causation of childhood vaccine deaths and then hid it from the public. Hello, everyone. I am Dr. Chris Martinson here with another episode for you, episode 98 today. So today we're going to be talking about something. Um, I'm not here to argue the science of this. I'm here to tell you about the bureaucratic nightmare that has uh, befallen us. And by us, I mean everybody in the so-called Five Eyes Nations. That would be all of Europe, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, the United States. Something really went off the rails all around COVID. And today we're going to talk about this part of it right here. So this is a breaking story. It just came out. <clears throat> this uh, got posted here, this amazing substack by Rebecca Barnett here on Valentine's Day, February 14th. And um, breaking, Australia's drug regulator, that's the TGA, that is the Therapeutics Good Administration, the TGA or agency, I guess. Administration, I think it is. They, the TGA hid vaccine deaths from the public concerned that disclosure could undermine public confidence. Pro tip, uh, nothing undermines confidence quite as much as being caught hiding something this damaging. Um, it's just, it's really shocking that it's even come to this. So we're gonna step through this today, look at what we actually have here. So let me get my drawing tool out. So starting here, documents obtained under the Freedom of Information request by Dr. Melissa McCann reveal that the TGA appears to have hidden numerous vaccine-induced deaths from the public view, including those of two children. Dr. McCann shared the shocking revelation in her address at the COVID vaccine conference hosted by Clive Palmer's United Australia Party over the weekend in Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney. The event featured leading ICU physician Dr. Pierre Corey, cardiologist and epidemiologist Dr. Peter McCullough, and McCullough's collaborator, author John Leake. So, first thing I just got to say, big shout out. This is an excellent, excellent substack, and everybody should subscribe to this. So, um, this is Rebecca Barnett's. Dystopian Down Under is the name of it, and she's writing from Down Under, obviously. And the person who was involved in getting this FOI, the Freedom of Information request out and the dislodging all this data is Dr. Melissa McCann. And um, <clears throat> a lot of, uh, you know, a general practitioner here and a lot of experience and as well, special interest is in COVID vaccine injuries. So she's been busy treating those things. And by the way, this uh, Dr. McCann, so I personally know doctors in Australia who lost their livelihoods simply because they weren't towing the line. So the career risk was extraordinary for doctors in Australia to do anything other than tow the exact line of the regulatory authorities in Australia. So look what she did here. This is a letter from Melissa McCann dated March of 22 sending it out here, especially to this guy. Uh, we're gonna hear more about this um, adjunct professor, John Skerritt, uh, the head of the TGA, deputy secretary there of the Therapeutic Goods Administration, uh, and also to the Minister of Health and to the chief medical advisor for the TGA, as well as to the chief advisory committee on vaccines, Therapeutic Goods Administration, all that. So she sent this stern letter off basically saying, hey, I request in the strongest possible terms an immediate um, suspension of the COVID-19 vaccine vaccination program. And this was based on data that she was getting. So she sent this letter off, even though this carried with it an exceptional degree of career risk. She could have been delicensed, 
doctors over there in Australia seem to have been delicensed for less than this. You weren't allowed to question the narrative. So she did anyway, which means that she is a hero and a national treasure to Australia. So um, congrats on having, having your own uh, Pierre Corey and Paul Merrick and Malone and all that. They, these great doctors are showing up all over the world. They had to take extraordinary risk to just try and do the right thing. Even if you're wrong about it, you're still trying to do the right thing is saying, hey, I found something is troubling. Can we at least talk about it to put it aside or not investigate it further? At any rate, uh, Melissa McCann doing great work there. By the way, um, before I move on, I just want to make one last final plea here for if you could pre-buy the crash course. We're we are, we are right at the bottom edge of the bestseller list for the Wall Street Journal. If we can get on there, that would be great. I would love for you to help me get on there because then more people will know about this and people do need to know about this. this is a, uh, the, the content in the crash course connects the economy, energy, environment, and exponential growth, puts it all in one spot, gives us a good view of where we're going and why you need to know it. And by the way, if you buy it, it'll make you instantly smarter, and more attractive. So carrying on here, look at this. This is carrying on from Rebecca Barnett's Substack again, just reading straight off of it, addressing sold out crowds here. Quote, Dr. McCann shared the extraordinary lengths she has had to go to extract causality assessment documents. Causality, not correlation, causality assessment documents relating to the TGA's investigation of reported deaths after COVID vaccination, which were obtained under the FOI request in a process that took six months. Dr. McCann lodged the request after seeing unexpectedly high number of patients coming through her clinic experiencing adverse events after immunization, AEFI. She also noticed a high number of serious AEFI reports in the DAEN database. If you've heard about the VAERS database, V-A-E-R-S, this is the Australian equivalent, um, the drug adverse event notification database thing there, the DEAN, <clears throat> including the reported death of a 14-year-old in October of 21. In her original FOI request, Dr. McCann requested causality assessments for all the reported deaths in the DAEN, the DEAN database. That request was denied due to an overly large scope, they said there. And in negotiation with the TGA, Dr. McCann agreed to revise down the request to just 11 documents that were eventually handed over, of which 10 related to these DAN death reports. Now, this is going to be really important. That detail is going to be really important soon because we're going to be asked the larger question is, these are the ones we know about because uh, Dr. McCann managed to pry them out of the TGA's hands. There's a lot that we don't know about, and I'm going to show you that the DAEN database itself is not a reliable place to go looking for these sorts of harms because they were hidden from view, hidden from the public. Why? I'll let you make up your own mind about that. So um, <clears throat> when the documents were finally provided to Dr. McCann in July of 22, she was dismayed to find that there were multiple reports that the TGA had assessed as causally linked to COVID vaccination, but with the exception of one death, had not been reported in the TGA's regular safety reports, end quote. Repeat that again. The TGA had assessed as causally linked COVID vaccination deaths, but with the exception of one death, these had not been reported in the TGA's 
regular safety reports. Those would be the safety reports that doctors and parents and nurses and pharmacists would look at to say, oh, how, how are we doing? You know, is there anything to be concerned about? Is there anything we should be watching out for? So this story takes a dark turn pretty quickly. So the first thing I have to do though when I do something like this is I go straight to the source, need to make sure that what I'm reading is true. I verified all of this. So I went here to the Australian government's TGA site, COVID-19 vaccine safety reports. I went down to this one right here, which is the most recent report out of September, <clears throat> oh, 0902, that, that would be the 9th of February, 2023. Sorry, <clears throat> I read it in, in US terms for a second there. Uh, and what did they say here? So I pulled this down February 17th, 2023. This is a screenshot I took off of that website. There's the link down below. And it says here in yellow, first to 11 December of 2022, we've received about 4,300 reports from approximately 3.7 million doses of Comirnaty Pfizer and Spikevax, which is their name for the Moderna, in 12 to 17 year olds. The most commonly reported reactions are chest pain, headache, dizziness, nausea, and fever. Chest pain? Okay, I think we have a safety signal right there. I mean, they're putting it out there. They're saying vaccine safety in children and adolescents, one of the most commonly reported reactions was chest pain in 4,300 reports. Now, I can't, I can't tell you if the DAEN is as badly underreported in Australia as the VAERS database here is in the United States, but I can tell you that in Canada, I know of, I've met doctors who, I met one doctor who lost his license because of filling out safety reports in Canada. That was a no-no. And so there was, um, the Canadian system is, really the, 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 the technology behind it, it's, it's got, um, it's really hard to use. It's very cumbersome. It takes a very long time. And somebody uncovered that the way they coded the website, it had a timer in it that if you didn't get through the whole thing within the, a timer window, it would reset everything and you'd have to start over again. So it was like, it was specifically designed to fail, make it long and put a timer on it and then refresh everything and make people start over again. So this is what we've been up against in all of these various countries. And we could reasonably ask, well, why? You know, why does it have to be that way? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be this way. And it needs to be exposed and we need to bring this out to light because otherwise it keeps happening. So that's why I do what I do, kind of citizen journalism and a little bit of science explanation, but we have to know about this stuff. All right, so carrying on, um, the TGA is also closely monitoring adverse events reports in five to 11 year olds, I hope so. Uh, to 11 December 2022, we have received about 1,660 reports from approximately 2.3 million Comirnaty and spike vax, dose, spike vax doses administered in this age group. Now, listen to this. The most common reactions reported included chest pain, vomiting, not a good sign, fever, headache, and abdominal pain, also not a good sign. Why? Because by the time you have headaches and nausea and things like that, it means it's, it's, there's a high possibility that you are um, impinging on something much different than having a localized reaction or maybe a little bit of a fever. This is more of a systemic reaction and that says something systemic is happening. So not a good sign. You would wanna look at each one of those cases very, very carefully and rule it in or rule it out. And I, again, we'd have, I don't trust that they would do that appropriately at this stage, um, but still, those to me would be very concerning signs. 
They also received 39 reports of suspected myocarditis and or pericarditis in this age group. Following review of the reports, four were likely to represent myocarditis. Another seven reports were likely to represent pericarditis. Um, and that's it. So that's what they said there. Well, let's carry on just one tiny bit further because I went down further and I asked the question. I just said, show me deaths, right? So they say here, second paragraph, the TGA closely reviews all deaths reported in the days and weeks after COVID-19 vaccination. Actually, it should be months too. Um, that's a different story, but that's the clot story I told a few weeks back. Since the beginning of the vaccine rollout to 11 December 2022, about 64.4 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines have been given in Australia. The TGA has identified 14 reports where the cause of death was linked to vaccination from 952 reports received and reviewed. Now, I don't know if they finished those reviews. It says reviewed as in a past tense. So uh, I would love to see if they actually reviewed every one of those 952 reports comprehensively. If they did, great. If not, problem. As previously reported, 13 of these deaths occurred after the first dose of Vaxivia. Vaxivria, that's the AstraZeneca thing. So 13 of them, right? Eight of those were thrombosis, thrombocytopenia, two were Guillain-Barre. Oh, that's a bad way to go. Two related to very rare conditions involving the nervous system. One was a case of immune thrombocytopenia. One of the deaths occurred after a booster dose of the spike vax vaccine, that's the Moderna vaccine, and was related to myocarditis. 14 of the deaths likely to be related to vaccine occurred in people aged 21 to 81. In pink, underlined in red, to make sure we're crystal clear about this, off of the TGA website as of February 17, 2023, there have been no deaths in children or adolescents determined to be linked to COVID-19 vaccination. End quote. This is the definitive site. You would go here if you're a doctor, if you're a parent, if you're anybody involved in this, you would go to this website and you would read down there and they tell you flat out. There have been 14 deaths that have been linked. 13 of them were AstraZeneca. One was related to the Moderna, but that's it. No children, none. Under 21, zero childhood deaths. Now, this is why what got uh, revealed here is kind of explosive because this is what Dr. McCann got out when she pulled those um, 11 documents out. And so here is what the TGA itself had hidden and had to be pried out through an FOI. Says here, the following is, <clears throat> get my drawing tool up. Following is the list of deaths that the TGA's own reports assessed is causally linked to COVID vaccination, causal, caused by. One, a 21-year-old female, case number 729139. We'll look more into that later, but this is uh, after a Moderna booster. Fatal adverse events, including myocarditis, cardiac arrest, renal impairment, femoral artery embolism, spinal cord infarction. This poor, um, turns out this is a, a woman, this poor female says so, it's right there. Uh, this poor female was obviously clotting out and also had myocarditis. So this is just, just crashing. Initial assess assessment outcome was causal, but was initially determined as unclassifiable. And so they updated the outcome to be causal. And so that's a causal case. But look at this, a nine-year-old here, not saying male or female, 
Um, assessment outcome was causality, assessment outcome, causal, a fatal adverse event, cardiac arrest. After the Pfizer vaccination, oh, hold up. That's why I went here and screenshotted this and took this down because remember they said here they had only identified 14 deaths and 13 of them were in AstraZeneca and one of them was in the spike vax or the Moderna. Yet here we're finding out now after a FOIA request that they had a causality assessment outcome for a Pfizer vaccination in a nine-year-old. Here's a 24-year-old female. There's the case number there, 718277. Pfizer vaccination. Oops. A cardiac arrest. Causality. Seven-year-old male. Case number 719838. Cardiac arrest. Causality. 21-year-old male. Fatal adverse event. Pfizer vaccination. Just causality. No listed cause there. So... <clears throat> Out of the five listed deaths that we have here, only the first one, the 21-year-old female, 729139, has been published in the TGA safety reports, and that's it. And so that is the one where they did say there was one here. Oops, went too far. They said here there was one from a spike back vaccine. Turns out that's the same case we see here in this 21-year-old female, 729139, and we know who she is now because her mother has um, gone out onto Instagram and identified this. This is Natalie. Case number 729139. And so that's the only one that the TGA had admitted to. But we now know that there were a bunch of these other ones here. Causality. And they hid those. And we know they hid them because I went to the TGA's website, to the DAEN site, and I searched it myself so that I could find these case numbers here. So we see here this one, 724023. This is a nine-year-old female. And this is what's in their official database. They say here, cardiac arrest, suspected. That's what it still says as of um, the 17th of February, suspected. But here we're finding out through a FOIA request that got pried out that um, this is, just to make sure I'm totally clear on this, this was uh, 724023, come back up here, 724023, nine-year-old, find out <clears throat> it's a female, and they had a causality assessment. But if you wanted to know the, the safety signal, you would come into this DAEN, but it would just be suspected. So they're hiding this. This is where the public record sits. They were hiding that particular determination. And as well here, the seven-year-old male, again, is found as suspected inside the DAEN system, the Dane system. And so there's another one. Now, we might also notice, though, that there were just a huge number of these things for March alone, just for March. So this is the 25th of March. This is not somebody who died, but look at this suspected here in an 11-year-old male, abdominal discomfort, where I told you that abdominal discomfort, the nausea, the, the belly, not good. Cyanosis, which is blue hands, You're not, he's not oxygenating well. Hyperhidrosis, sweating like crazy, and visual impairment. This is a bad syndrome right here. This is suspecting, if I was a doc, that there's something going wrong with the clotting in this particular person here. This is not a good uh, set of symptoms here. And by the way, this whole thing is full of things that look just like this. So the question is, did we have an appropriate safety signal here? Should they have been doing their jobs perhaps differently? And the answer is unequivocally yes. So when we talk about this whole safe and effective thing, this is the DAN system at a high level where I took less than five years old, five to 11, 12 to 17, 
ran the database and just asked the question for anything related to comorbidity or spike facts, what do we have? And here we see that they had 5,496 reported cases so far, single suspected medicine, so there's no possible complicating medicines that, that are involved, 5,381, still badly underreporting the deaths because this is the DAEN system, and of course they've kept things out of there. But this is kind of crazy to me where they say things like, general disorders and administration site conditions, chest pain. Not really a general disorder, doesn't have a lot to do with the administration of the site conditions. And here we're seeing that they have over a thousand cases where they suspected that the chest pain came from this. These are a thousand lives, a thousand and thirty one people, 17 years of age or less, who had a really bad outcome. But how about this one? Nervous system disorder, they're calling this one. Headaches show up, 675 cases, 664 with a single suspected medicine with two deaths. That's not a nervous system disorder. When you have a splitting headache, <clears throat> let me see if I pulled that up. Oh yeah, I put that in here. When you have a splitting headache and you die, there's a darn good chance what you had was a stroke. And so the stroke would be related to clotting. It wouldn't, I wouldn't call that a nervous system disorder per se. Um, yeah, the clot happened to travel to the brain, gave you the splitting headache, and then in two sad cases here, there were two deaths recorded here. Um, so those are probably related to the AstraZeneca because they fessed up to those and they mapped those over here. Um, it would be very concerning if the TGA had said, hey, there's only been 14 deaths so far, 13 in AstraZeneca, one in the spike vax, which we now was, know was Natalie, but they came forward and said, oh yeah, and two of those, two of those 14 deaths were in people age 17 or less. So this is the kind of sleuthing you have to do to begin to pull all of these numbers together and to begin to make sense of them. So even the death so, I just wanna make the point here that if we're looking at these outcomes, death would be a very rare small piece at the top and there would be a huge bottom of the pyramid where there would be no apparent harm for reasons that we have yet to determine, but there could well be, and there probably we should suspect, a huge middle range here of injuries that would range from annoying to really, really devastating, but short of death, right? So I just wanna be very clear about this, that when we're talking about these deaths, this, that's, in, that's just a, a, really it's the tip of the pyramid in this particular story here, most likely. So carrying on with that awesome substack. So quote, on reading the causality assessments provided to her under FOIA 3727, we're gonna remember that number real quick, 3727, that is the FOIA number because I'm gonna to refer to that in just a second. Dr. McCann felt both shocked and confused. Quote, why has this information not been provided to health professionals and the public who are making consent decisions? Children are continuing to be vaccinated and this is something that parents deserve to be able to weigh up. Dr. McCann told Dystopian Down Under. Excuse me, absolutely. It, this is part of informed consent. You weigh the risks, you weigh the benefits, you need to know that, but if the risks are hidden and if the risks include death, death in otherwise formerly healthy children, that is an extraordinary event that needs to be surfaced, obviously. So Dr. McCann has been doing that, but in red line, red underline, it gets worse. Dr. McCann was surprised to find that documents one to 10 out of a total of 11 documents from FOIA 3727 had not been uploaded to the TGA's public disclosure log per regular protocol. Hmm. So somebody had to make the decision. Somebody physically sat down and said, we're not gonna put these 
reports, these causality reports out here in the disclosure log, which I went and visited and it's a place and you can see all the disclosures there and they'll tell you what happened. I looked, these reports are still not there as of, as of uh, the 17th of February. So when we go there and I look at FOIA 3727, the only thing that's there, and this is from the TGA's disclosure log, we find an annexed table from a periodic safety report here for comorbidity. This is a, that was fabulous. And I'm gonna be talking about that a little later, probably next week back at Peak Prosperity for my subscribers, because that's a bombshell of a document right there. There are some really, uh, there's a lot of important findings in that. So what happened was, that was an annex table from a periodic safety report. They're like, no, we're not putting it in. And then FOIA request came out and said, can we see that? Can we see that? Plus the FOIA request included, can we see all these other documents? Like, have you assessed causality or have you found any? We wanna see those. And then this got released, but the TGA was still dragging its feet saying too broad. We don't wanna release that. Finally, Dr. McCann narrowed the search, quote, search query down to, well, show me these 11 documents. And one of those they've admitted to Another 10, shockingly, they hadn't admitted to, and they had hidden them. All right, so this has all just come out and exploded out lately, um, and uh, this is like really blowing up in Australia right now, as it should. And so I'm not revealing anything here that's not very much public knowledge, and so if this all gets censored and canceled off of YouTube, it's simply because, well, I, I don't live in a free country. This is all freely available information. I'm sharing it with you now. And uh, why did this happen? So it gets worse, quote, Dr. McCann was surprised to find the documents one to 10. They hadn't been uploaded per the regular protocol. Just read that for you, just set in the context again. She emailed the TGA to query why hadn't these documents been uploaded? Why had they been withheld from the disclosure log and was advised in a communication on the 24th of August, they said this back from the TGA, quote, the decision maker, I wonder who that is, for this request decided not to publish documents one to 10 pursuant to section 11C1A of the FOIA Act as they contain sensitive personal information about deceased persons. As you would appreciate, consultation with the families of the deceased was not considered appropriate. And as such, consultation was not undertaken with the families. Now, hold on a second, end quote. That's saying, oh, you know what? It, it, it might, the families are already upset you know, and we just figured out that their children had died causally from the vaccine administration. So we decided not to contact them because wouldn't want to upset them further. Is the, is the dodge, they're trying to do a moral dodge on this one, which is like, oh, we didn't do that because we're good people. Didn't want to upset the parents further. Um, in later in this article, the mother of Natalie is just like, I've been waiting to hear from the TGA and nobody calls me and they won't answer my calls. And, and so the parents actually are looking for information as you could imagine. So this whole idea that the TGA says, uh, you know, we're just trying to be sensitive here is complete rubbish, obviously. Um, so carrying on, but this is where it gets really disturbing. They said, quote, further, the decision maker, love to know who that is, determined that disclosure of the documents could undermine public confidence and reduce the willingness of the public to report adverse events to the TGA? Oh yeah, they're, seeing, they're saying uh, um, it would reduce confidence. Well, confidence in what? In you as an organization? In the vaccines generally? In what? But they tried to say, would reduce public confidence in something like the confidence that we would hold this information private. 
um, and we couldn't we couldn't just let that information out. It is such obviously junk. I mean, I'm just this is infuriating people. This is really awful. Everybody who's participating in that side of the story, who's been shaming, hiding, coercing, all of that, they're just horrifyingly bad people. Horrifyingly. I don't even I don't even have a framework for understanding how these people think. So at any rate, uh, this has really started to to blow up now. So this is a video now we're going to turn to from earlier well, just uh, earlier today, my time. So if you're watching this uh, next week, but but this is this is the head of the TGA. This is adjunct professor John Skerritt. Um, I, we've talked about him in the past. Here he is. He's being asked specifically about the FOIA contents. This all got revealed. They're very upset. This is a Senate Community Affairs Legislation Committee. There's other senators, polit- politicians in the room. And let me get my earbud in so I can listen in with you. Listen up. You got to listen carefully because there's a lot of crosstalk and shouting, but let's take it away. We have reported every death that has been associated with these vaccines. Why on earth would we hide a seven and nine year old? That, that is the question. Uh, that is the question. S- mm. We are not. We have not. You're Senators? sounding very defensive we've, about we've it. We've but no, I'm not very defensive. Yeah, I, actually, very I actually have the okay. FOI in front of me. The committee suspends. The committee suspends. Broadcasting is off. So causality is with. All right. Just, just, just go ahead and rewind that, Ryan. Let, let's take that from the top again. Listen, listen to this very carefully, what he says here. Well, why, why would we hide? We, we didn't hide any deaths. Why would we hide a death of a seven and a nine-year-old? This is... All right. We have it. reported every death that has been associated with these vaccines. Why on earth would we hide a seven and nine-year-old? That, that is the question. Uh, that is the question. S- mm. We are not. Seven. We have not. You're Senators? sounding very defensive we've, about we've it. But no, I'm not very defensive. Yeah, I, actually, very defensive. I actually have the FOI okay. in front of me. The committee suspends. The committee suspends. Broadcasting is off. So causality is... with. The committee suspends. The committee suspends. The, the evidence and facts doesn't suit your narrative. It doesn't suit your narrative. I've been watching you, Senators. I've been watching you scoff. I've been watching you roll your eyes. Senators and ministers. Senators and minister, I will suspend the committee again if I cannot bring the committee to order. This will take a very long time if every few minutes I have to suspend. The committee suspends. Broadcasting can be turned off, please. Uh, how many injections have you had, Professor? I have um, had four. Well, right, I'll, this, I'll this, we, we can stop it here. So, but rewind. So what he said at the beginning of this whole thing, right, is that they've reported every single death. And I just showed you that reported to who then? Because it certainly isn't on the website. It's certainly not in the DAEN database. It's not there where the public can find it. These other MPs didn't know about it. So when he, when, when Professor Scarrett says, "Oh, we've reported every single death. Why would we hide a, a death of a seven and a nine-year-old?" Where the TGA had already actually assessed causality, and you know they tried hard to make sure that they couldn't get to that finding. It was just unavoidable. So they have it, and then they decided to hide it. And they even released a statement saying, eh, "We we hid this because you know um, we didn't want to undermine confidence." That's what they said. And then he's out there in front of these other people and, you know, in the in that hearing saying we didn't hide anything. I mean, just Ryan, again, that just the beginning, just that first couple sentences. 
We have reported every death that has been associated with these vaccines. Why on earth would we hide a seven and nine year old? That, that is the question. Yes. That is right, right there, right there. We have reported every death associated with these vaccines. Why on earth would we hide the death of a seven and nine year old? Why indeed? Why would you? Well, according to your own words from your own administration, it was simply to, what was that again? Further the decision maker, we have to wonder who that is, determined that disclosure of the documents could undermine public confidence. So they're admitting here that they, it back all the way back in August 24th, they said, we weren't disclosing these documents because reasons, confidence, we wouldn't want to undermine that public thing, right? Um, and then, <laughs> And then they've, so they've had from August to September, October, November, December, January, February, they've had six months. They've had a half a year to get their story together. And we get this crazy story, which is like, we, we haven't hidden anything. We've just, we've reported all of them. No, you haven't. So that's why, I mean, this is just insane that people think they can get away with bald face lying like this out in public. It's, it's just, it's really disturbing and distressing. But let's remember what we're talking about here. We are talking about otherwise healthy children who have died. Let's keep this in mind. All these politicians jumbling around and trying to preserve their egos and their positions. And, you know, there's contracts to consider and larger, you know, considerations to consider all of that. But this is this is what um, in November of 2021, when when uh, Professor, sorry, Dr. McCann, shot out that missive and said, hey, you know, poking at them saying, I think you need to look at these vaccines and they're not, you know, there's some some issues here. And adjunct professor John Skerritt, who we just saw there, said TGA's focus, focus remains on keeping Australians as safe as possible from a dangerous and very contagious virus that has killed millions of people globally. I hope this information has been of assistance to you. Um, and no, it hasn't been very assist, uh, very assisting because um, obviously, these things have to be investigated and you need some curiosity and you need to have an open mind. So at any rate, that's sort of where we're at at this, this part of the story. It's, it's very, very distressing. And so um, obviously it's fairly distressing when you know the noose is, is closing in. And so this is not very surprising, probably unrelated, but we just find out that um, on the 2nd of February here, Professor John Skerritt has announced his retirement. So off he goes and he will that will be effective 18th of april 2023 but as we just saw things are getting a little heated here now so i think he's gonna have a rough ride going forward because obviously this is unacceptable what just happened here totally unacceptable definitely related though as well um back in right around the same time i put this out and i said listen you you can judge a, a culture by how it treats it's very old and it's very young and there were these people out here who I felt needed to hear this, which is a, just me taking Ben Franklin's famous statement about safety and liberty and twisting it slightly, saying adults who would sacrifice the health of their children for a temporary decrease in their own health risk profile deserve neither children nor health. And they don't. This is really gross behavior. And I don't know what he thought he was doing, but, but he somehow thought there was a greater good here. Keeping Australians as safe as possible. Which Australians? All Australians? Some? Are you throwing the young under the bus because you want to protect the older people? Who weighed that decision? Who was the decision maker that that was the right formula with the right outcome? So at any rate, um, I will tell you that uh, before I, I get to the next part of this, which shows you more of that Australian reaction, I just want to also remind everybody here, Peak Prosperity, we have a great community of people who wrestle with all of these sorts of things that we're talking about. 
On the left there in the crash course, that is um, my problem definition. Tells you kind of why we're in this in this mess we're in. And then the second book, Prosper, is about solution space. So we do have the number one online resilience community. If you're a little concerned about where things are right now and you want to be more resilient, but more importantly, most importantly, you want to be around your tribe of people who think this way, this is uh, a place you want to come and check out. Consider joining. It'd be really good for you. All right. Here's Russell Broadbent, an MP. Just stood up again um, very recently and said, uh, added further pressure to the TGA, referring to Dr. McCann's FOI 3727 in Parliament, quote, why has the TGA not responded to doctors who raised these issues with you six months ago, including drawing your attention to those case reports? This information is extremely alarming and demands an immediate response from the TGA, end quote. Why indeed? Why indeed did the TGA just ghost, ignore, require FOIAs, drag their feet, belittle, and otherwise not attend to the request of the doctors who raised these issues six months ago? Six months ago. I'll tell you, if, if, if I'm a parent who was trusting the system and my child got injured or killed within that window from when they knew about or were informed about, notified about the issues, to, to current, ooh, big, big trouble, big trouble, um, big, big trouble on your hands here. So, but it's always a risk-benefit trade-off, right? So we know now that the survival rate for COVID, particularly for younger people, is pretty ridiculously high. How high? Almost infinitely high. If you look at this um, uh, German study here, which is titled The Risk of Hospitalization, Severe Disease, and Mortality, due to COVID-19 and PIMSTS in children with SARS-CoV-2 infection in Germany. Note here that this is from 10-2021. So this is in the pre-Omicron era. Omicron itself is even less harmful. So this is pre-Omicron. This would be alpha, the beta, and as well, potentially the delta, depending on which part of 2021 they gathered the data in. So what did they find in Germany, which has lots and lots and lots of children and all of this? They found here the lowest risk was observed in children aged 5 to 11 without comorbidities. So these are healthy children. In this group, the ICU admission rate was 0.2 per 10,000, and case fatality could not be calculated due to an absence of cases. End quote. That's another way of saying zero in all of Germany. They went through all the records. They could find exactly zero children who had died from COVID directly, who are healthy or even indirectly, just wasn't part of their data set. And the Germans keep pretty good records. So now this is this kind of information that if you want to do a proper informed consent risk assessment as a parent, as a doctor, as an administrator, whatever, you would say, what's the harm? And then What's the, what's the benefit of any particular treatment? It's just part of the game. And so now this is all finally, we're starting to see it break open. I'm really glad to see it breaking open. I'm really hopeful that Australia can get its feet back under it. I'm really hopeful that these odious bureaucrats and technocrats and other defenders of corporations and corporate profits will finally have to answer some questions and not be allowed to skitter away and just prevaricate and fib and tell half-truths and dissemble, lie, right? Like, like they have been doing. 
they should have their feet held to the fire and they should have to very, very specifically explain why they made the decisions they did. And they shouldn't be able to get away with that weasel language like the decision maker. Yeah, who is that? Got a name. I'm sure there's a decision maker, singular. Somebody made that decision. Who was it? And we need to see all of their files, please, how they came to that particular decision. And if you're doing a proper investigation, you probably say, we also like to see their bank accounts and phone logs, right? So just to understand really what's been happening here, because let's face it, it wasn't public health. It wasn't that. It was about something else. So maybe we can unravel this. I'm really pleased to see that in Australia, they're starting to get their arms around it, at least finally. Ever hopeful I am that we can get to this common knowledge where we can finally have an open, non-censored conversation about the actual data and about the motivations so we can get to the bottom of all of this. Now, in part two of this, I'm going to go for my subscribers at Peak Prosperity. We're going to be talking about, well, financial freedom. Kind of a jump from this, you say? Listen, the way I connect the dots is there's lots of big things going on out in the world, and they all sort of have various risk profiles and things you, you need to attend to. We're coming into a really it's extraordinary period of very, very rapid change. And the number one reason why people were able to be coerced into getting a medical treatment they didn't want is because they didn't have the financial freedom to say no. That's just the sad reality of it. You're going to lose your job and your ability to provide for your family if you don't do this thing that we're going to require you to do. So having financial freedom is the number one first thing that allows you to be safe and have to be able to insulate yourself a little bit. So there's a lot of principles around that. So we're going to discuss that as a group back at Peak Prosperity. All right. Thank you very much for listening to this. Let's hope it stays up. And um, who knows? If it doesn't, it will always be on Rumble and at my website, Peak Prosperity. See you there. Um, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.